Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nothing personal, word of the day. It's Monday morning, June 6, 2022. And I got back from a concert just a couple hours ago. And I got to tell you what happened. So I went to a Coldplay concert. I've never seen Coldplay. And they're doing a tour, Music of the Spheres. And it's a show. It's not a concert. It's a show. A concert is when you go and there's a guy or a girl or a group and they're playing a bunch of songs. You don't know the exact order. You don't know how long they'll play. You're just looking at them. It's not like uh, like Madonna puts on a show. Coldplay, I didn't know whether it would be a concert or a show. It turns out it's the most amazing show. It was in the swamps of Jersey at MetLife Stadium. For all those of you who go to MetLife Stadium, you know there's one thing you're going to be sure of, that ingress and egress is going to be terrible. You can complain all you want about Marlins Park, about Pro Player Stadium. I'm not sure there's a worse stadium in the country to get in and out of than MetLife Stadium. Those Circuit of the Americas in Austin may be a close second, but this is just horrific. So we get there early. I'm invited by my close friend. We get there. We immediately start drinking and eating. Now, keep in mind, I had not had stadium food in five years. I have not been to a sporting event or a baseball game since I left baseball on September 17. And even when I was in baseball, I would not eat stadium food because I was in a stadium every single day. So I would eat in the clubhouse. I'd have salads made by the chef. Whatever I would do, I was eating healthy, eating well. But when you go to a game or a concert as an ordinary person which certainly I am and I did, you have to stand on line with all the other schnooks, get the $15 beers, the $20 tenders, and you just do what you have to do. You get a drink and you eat and you walk around, you look at the merchandise and you say, no, I'm not in the acquisition mode anymore in my life. I'm in the de-acquisition mode. No more concert t-shirts, no more hoodies, no more toques, nothing. The doors open at 5, we're there at about 5.10 because we don't want to sit in traffic and we want to start partying. And I've got to go hard early because I've got a show to do the next day and we're looking at an all-nighter because of the location of where we were. So, hard early, everything's fine. I'm starving, as you would imagine. And I get online at the Big Rooster, which is a standalone sort of food cart which rule number one when you're the president of a team, don't go to the food carts. But as an audience member, I went to the food cart and I got the chicken sandwich and it, I thought, was delicious. And the reason I thought it was delicious is that it was super spicy. So I have it so I can feel spice and I can sort of taste spice. So I'm thinking everything's great. This is so good. And I eat it. And then I look to my left 
and there's a line for tater tots. Now, as you can imagine, if you're having a chicken sandwich and you're feeling kind of hungry because of something that you may or may not have done and there's no movie theater nearby, there's no way to watch Half-Baked. You're there for the concert. You know it's not starting because you've gone on like I do, setlist.com, and you know that they're not going to go on until after 9 p.m. So you got a big runway. So I see the tater tot line. I get on the tater tot line. The average time per transaction, and I'm talking to you, Delaware North. I'm talking to you, MetLife. The average transaction time was seven minutes, seven minutes. And the stand, which was a cart, only has tater tots. Now, granted, you can choose the cheese sauce. You can choose the bacon and cheese sauce. You've got a scallion sauce. You've got a miyaki or someone called it a biaki sauce. I don't know what that meant. Or blocky or no blocky. Whatever it was, you had 10 choices of sauces and vats of tater tots that ostensibly are being made in front of you. But I know the tricks. They're not really made in front of you. They're brought to the concession stand already made and they just shove them in some oil to pretend that they're making them there, but they're not. They're in a Sioux kitchen somewhere in the bowels of Jersey. So standing online, the line's not moving. What do I do when the line's not moving? I'm feeling a little frisky. I start talking to people around me. People start talking to me. And I'm dressed very casually. I'm in cargo shorts and a white T-shirt. And I'm holding, at this time, a drink, peanuts, Swedish fish, and Sour Patch. So the person in front of me online says... With what hand are you going to hold the tater tots? And I said, I love where your head's at, but I'm going to be done with the Swedish fish and the Sour Patch by the time we get to the front of this freaking line because it's not moving. And she said, good idea. You're smart. So she sent her friend Andrew to get something. Andrew waits in line somewhere else at the less crowded concession stand, which serves just candy, brings candy back, gets back online. He's talking to his friend Shira. Shira and I are talking with Andrew, standing there, and all of a sudden she says, I'm dying to tell you something. Now, my ego says that she's going to say something, hey, about Survivor, because that's a common one about nothing personal, about baseball. Maybe the fact, you know, I've never seen a better-looking 65-inch guy. I mean, there was a wide menu of something that could have come out of her mouth with the introductory sentence, hey, I've been dying to tell you something, right? It could have been anything. And I said, hey, you know, we're friends. We've been online for 40 minutes together. I feel like at this point we should be exchanging phone numbers. So she smiles, looks at me, her boyfriend or whoever he was, looks at me slightly askance. I'm eating Sour Patch. I'm fine. I'm not in danger to any relationship at all. I am stuffing my face. And Shira says to me, hey, guess what? Bruce Springsteen is coming on stage with Coldplay. Do you like Bruce Springsteen? And I said, is this a trap? Like, do you know who I am? I pulled a Vince Namoli. Do you know who I am? And she said, no, you're David. I said, then why would you talk to me about Bruce Springsteen? She said, because I know he's coming on to play and I've been dying to tell someone. 
And I said, I don't believe you. Bruce Springsteen is my favorite of all time. He's the GOAT, the number one. He's not, and, and now it could make sense. He lives in Jersey where it's Jersey, but it's a Sunday night and it's late. Coldplay plays from nine to 11. It just, and, he, and he's about to tour. So maybe I thought he wanted to get a little practice back in a stadium setting, but he doesn't have the E Street Band. So he wants to maybe do something separate, but does he really want to show up? Does he have a relationship with Chris Martin? I'm not believing any of it. Shira says, just you wait. Just you wait. I said, okay, I'll never see you again. I have no way to contact you. There's been no exchange of numbers, emails, last names, nothing. But that said, I promise you, if you're right, I am going to call it out in a way that I do. Not telling her that I had a show because I wasn't in the mood to promote nothing personal last night. So, although I should always be in the mood to promote it, Coke. I don't know why I wasn't because I could have had two more listeners in theory. But in any case... In the middle of the Coldplay show, which is a rehearsed, coordinated, unbelievable show where they engage the audience in a way that no show I've ever been to does. It was the best show I've been to is my review. I'm not a huge Coldplay fan. I know the general songs. It's a bittersweet symphony. Like I know that that's the verve, but I thought it was Coldplay going into the night. And then live in the Vida Loca. I thought that was Coldplay. It turns out that's Ricky Martin. And their song is called Vida La Vida or Vida La Vida or Victor Vito. And then you've got clocks like na 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 na. That's not how it goes, but there's a song called Clocks. So some of them were familiar, but not really. But I got swept up into the show. And about 40 minutes in, Chris Martin, who is Gwyneth Paltrow's ex-husband, currently dating Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson's daughter, who was in Fifty Shades of Grey, Dakota Johnson, the daughter of Melanie Griffith, who's in Something Wild with Ray Liotta. Now, now you've got it. 40 minutes into the show, Chris Martin says, hey, I want you to cheer right now as though you are cheering for the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Your jersey, cheer for this song or whatever he wanted to do a a sing-along cheer for one of their songs can't remember what maybe the sky is everywhere or the stars are everywhere or the skies are in the stars or the stars are in the skies or whatever and i'm thinking that's a pretty big coincidence that he's mentioning bruce springsteen's name and on the tater tot line i was told that springsteen's going to appear so i'm thinking this may happen i'm sticking it out I'm not leaving early, missing traffic, getting back in a reasonable hour, because if I miss, it would be like walking out and watching Reggie Miller score nine points in the last 20 seconds, or walking out and missing the end of an unbelievable game or a walk-off or something. You just don't do it. When there's a chance to see greatness in general, you better wait and see the greatness, because otherwise you're going to be lying the rest of your life. Yes, everybody who left the garden when Reggie Miller scored nine said, yeah, of course we saw that. You're lying for the rest of your life. I said, no mas, no more lying. Encore comes, there's an A stage, a B stage, a C stage. He's on the C stage. I'm looking at the set list. I'm knowing because I follow the set list and it's the same set list because it's a show, not a concert. I know exactly where he is. I don't recognize the song. I'm thinking Bruce is gonna sing this song. He needs a prompter for his own songs. There's no way. And then all of a sudden, Chris Martin looks at the audience So I'm looking at the Jumbotron because he's as far away from me as possible at stage C and says, I am so lucky. We are so lucky. Ladies and gentlemen, Bruce Springsteen. And I lost my mind. 
Bruce Springsteen I hadn't seen on stage since his tour ended in 2017. That's five years. He's done a few one-off performances. He's starting to tour again at the end of, uh, in 23, maybe the end of 22, 23. And there was Bruce Springsteen. And he sang Working on a Dream. Working on a Dream is not my favorite Springsteen song, but it turns out that Chris Martin's idol is Bruce Springsteen. It turns out that Chris Martin has a tattoo on his arm that coincidentally I was staring at on the Jumbotron the entire concert because I couldn't make it out. It looked like Morse code. Then the camera goes tight on the tattoo and Chris Martin has Working on a Dream tattooed on his arm. He says to Bruce, hey, it's my favorite song. We might as well sing it. Bruce and Chris do Working on a Dream. And then they do Dancing in the Dark. Way too commercial for me. But people are yelling Bruce and because it's Jersey and because people love Bruce. And I just was thinking to myself, I am the luckiest person that I am able to take advantage of people who have this level of talent. I was thinking about performers and athletes and singers. Those people who perform for us. Yes, we buy tickets. Yes, we're tired the next day. Yes, we sit in traffic. Yes, we spend disposable income in times of inflation when everyone's tight and the economy stinks. How about an appreciation for what athletes do? I was thinking about going to see Rafael Nadal, what people who watched him win his 14th French Open yesterday, people who watch individuals do spectacular things. They can be part of teams. They can be part of bands. But the amount of work that Chris Martin and Coplay put into this show, the amount of pleasure that I derive from watching greatness, it was awe-inspiring, actually. I just wonder if you ever take a minute and think about it. I wonder if you ever realize why it's okay to say thank you when people do amazing things. And even if it's just an amazing thing at their job, right, with no one watching, no cameras. The reason why it's so nice to acknowledge other people's effort and greatness is because it motivates them to do it again and again. And with repetition, when you hear compliments, you work harder. Chris Martin is a great showman. When you bring Bruce Springsteen on stage, I was lost. I couldn't believe it. It made my day. It made everything worth it. Now, I didn't see Joe Girardi at the concert, but I imagine that he could have been because he clearly wasn't managing the Phillies to another victory over the Los Angeles Anaheim Angels of Anaheim. And Joe Girardi easily could have been at the game because this weekend, while you may have been sleeping, he got canned. So I was on my phone during the weekend and I got some sort of alert. Sources say Joe Girardi relieved of his duties and I had immediate flashback to 2006 when we hired Joe Girardi. And I was thinking about his young son, Dante, who's now a college baseball player, being coached by Jeff Conine, by the way, at FIU. And I was thinking about what it was like when Joe Girardi wanted all of his coaches hired and what a nightmare it was the day we announced him in 2000. And it must have been in 2005, in, in the off season of 2005, when he was announced. And I just remember knowing that this was not going to end well. I knew we were redoing the team and bringing the payroll down, doing a reset, 
We were done with Jack McKean. We had just won a World Series coming off the worst year we've ever had in 05. That was until 2012. And I just didn't, I wasn't comfortable with Joe. I wasn't comfortable with the way he worked with, wanted to work with the front office. He didn't care what we said, didn't want our suggestions. Basically said, you stay out of my clubhouse. You stay out of my manager's office. And we explained to him, and this is now, remember, 16 years ago, he would never say that today. But he just said, this is how I'm going to operate. And we said, well, no, you're not. So we had troubles with him the entire season, fired him during the season. The players basically did a mutiny. We begged Jeffrey to let us rehire him and fire him at the end of the season, which we ended up doing because Jeffrey wanted him fired like that day when Girardi yelled at Jeffrey publicly in the middle of a game. So plenty of backstory to Girardi. Then the Yankees hire him. He wins a World Series in 09. He's a World Series winning manager. He keeps the job for a bunch of years. He becomes this big free agent. The Phillies hire him. John Middleton says it's the best free agent signing we've done. We're ready to win. We've got Dave Dombrowski. We've got the best team. We signed offense. Go team, go. By the way, Girardi's contract is done after 2022. He's got an option in 23, but we're going to hold off. We're not going to accept his option. There's a word for it. It's not accept the option, but it's uh, we're going to um, exercise his option. We're going to wait. And the reason why you ever have a manager on a lame duck year is if you simply don't want to pay an extra year of severance for when you have a good feeling that you're going to have to fire that manager. Now, we gave like Mike Redman an extra year when Jeffrey wanted to fire him and we didn't want to fire him. So we didn't want Redman to be on his last year because we wanted him to have respect in the clubhouse. And going out a year is a way for players to know, hey, he's going to be here. But with the Marlins, that was never the case. We could fire you at any moment. So the Phillies were seven games under 500, 12 games behind the Mets, terrible defense, which is how the team was built. The offense was mediocre, and Joe Girardi was a disaster. Joe Girardi was intense. Joe Girardi was not being heard in the clubhouse. Joe Girardi's sphincter got so tight you couldn't shine a flashlight through it, which made his players tight, which made his players lose. And if you're the front office, you know this is happening. So when you're running the Phillies and you're Dave Dombrowski, you go to John Middleton and you know, you say to him, listen, John, in about three days, there's going to be an article that's going to come out. The article is going to show that we have the fourth highest payroll in baseball. We're behind the Dodgers. We're behind the Yankees and we're behind the Mets. Now, the interesting thing about the Dodgers, the Yankees and the Mets, if you take a look at the standings, is they're all in first place. We, on the other hand, are not even at 500 and we can't sniff first place. And you're going to have to pay a luxury tax bill. And I'm not sure that this team is going to win. Well, thanks for telling me that, Dave. What's your move? Well, I got to move. It's to fire Joe Girardi. Well, I thought we weren't going to fire him till after the season. Didn't you tell Samson that? Yeah, but I didn't realize we'd have all these walk-off losses, and I didn't realize the players were going to be so down on him. He's totally lost the clubhouse, John. We got to do it now. And the reason why we're going to fire him now on June 4th is that we're going to bring in his bench coach. He knows our players. He knows the system. He's way more relaxed and calm than Joe. He's worked with Joe for a while. It's going to be a very easy transition, and I think it's going to make these players play better. And then we're going to add at the deadline, and before you know it, we're going to be playing in October. John Middleton, the owner, said, hold on. You're saying we're going to fire Girardi, pay him the rest of his deal. 
We're going to promote the bench coach, and we're going to have to pay him more because he's a manager. So we're in for another couple hundred thousand dollars. But you think this is going to be the difference? Oh, John, I'm telling you. But we got to do one more thing. What's that, Dave? We have to fire Bobby Meacham. Huh? Who cares about Bobby Meacham, Dave? Let me explain to you how it works. When Joe Girardi gets hired, he demands that certain people come with him who really have no reason to have a job other than Joe Girardi says you have to hire him. And then we say, okay. We had to hire Mike Harkey, Bobby Meacham, and Gary Tuck. Gary Tuck ended up being a total nightmare. Mike Harkey was the greatest guy. He's still working with the Yankees now. I think he may be in their bullpen. Great, gentle, giant guy. Bobby Meacham was his friend from the Yankee days who was of no use. So Dombrowski said to Middleton, we're going to have to get rid of him as well because we just it's too close to Girardi. Middleton said, fine, just do it. Just promise me that we're going to win games. When do you want to do it? Well, we're playing the Los Angeles Angels, and the general rule of thumb is when you're going to fire a manager, you fire the manager the night before you are playing a crappy team who's throwing their worst pitcher because you want to make sure that your best pitcher is going against their worst pitcher because you want to get a win game one of the quote-unquote new regime. Lo and behold, Girardi gets fired. The Phillies are playing the Anaheim Angels. The Angels had lost eight in a row, then nine in a row, then 10 in a row, then 11 in a row. That's it. The Phillies did the best thing they could do. Will it work? It worked for us in 03, getting rid of a manager midway and going out to win the World Series. But the Phillies are not a good team. They're not constructed well by Dave Dombrowski, who doesn't care about defense. They do not have a good enough bullpen, even though Dombrowski tried to make it good. They have a $233 million payroll with Schwarber, who's Schwarber, a non-tender, who had a good postseason run. That's pretty much it. Castellanos, who everybody was dying for, including Jeter, who's been fine. Fine. Probably better than Garcia with the Marlins, but fine nonetheless. But believe me, their farm system's mediocre. Their overall starting pitching is eh, and their bullpen is lights on, not lights out. So I'll give you a little wait to see when we say something's going to happen, and then we'll revisit it. Because I gave you a Girardi won't be fired until after the season just a few days ago. I knew he was going to be fired, but I thought they would do it after the season, not pick up the option and just let him go then. But they couldn't wait. They had to go for it. And I should have known. I should have known after the players came out against him because the players were his only asset when he was with the Marlins. That's it. So if you lose them, I guess it's game over. The Phillies are going to play better because they just won a few in a row. They're four games under 500 now. The Mets still aren't losing. But the Phillies will not play in October. That's the way to see. I think Coca, I may have picked the Phillies to be a wild card team this year. I don't recall, but if you go back to my show on opening day, when we previewed the season, I could have chosen them. We'll revisit that, of course. But if I had, I'm changing my mind, which is my right to do, because it's June 6th. Wait to see. The Phillies will not play in October, and their bench coach, Rob Thompson, will not be their permanent manager in 2023. You know, I'll tell you right now what Joe should be doing and what Bobby Meacham could be doing. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. 
That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Come on, Phillies. Now, I'm not sure if the Phillies can find its next manager using LinkedIn Jobs, but they could. If your business is looking for the right candidate, you're in luck, though. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. You want to hire a manager? Come on, Philly, just get on there, post the job. Small businesses rate LinkedIn number one in delivering quality hires versus all the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and faster. I don't know if you knew this, folks. Every single week, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. That's 40 million. If you can't find a good candidate out of 40 million, you may want to change the job description and post your job description for free. LinkedIn.com slash Samson. That's LinkedIn.com slash Samson, and you can post your job for free. Of course, terms and conditions apply. God, the Angels. Do you know this is Otani's fifth year? Zero playoff games. Zero playoff wins. Do you know Mike Trout hasn't gotten a hit in six months? I don't know why. Is he still the MVP leader? He's 0 for his last, what, 26? Otani's hitting 240. I think his OPS is like 600, 550. The Angels, everyone was talking about him. Do you remember this? It was so recent, like two weeks ago. The Los Angeles Angels are in first place. They're finally going to break their October streak. We're going to see Trout and Otani. Noah Syndergaard is pitching lights out. Their bullpen's working. They're hitting Walsh, et cetera. Everyone's hitting. This is amazing. So happy. Joe Madden's doing his thing. Genius. The manager's a genius. Well, that's it. They've been outscored by 42 runs. They're now eight and a half games behind Houston. Eight and a half games behind. See you later, Anaheim. Just as we called it. We posted that video, didn't we? That TikTok video saying the Angels have no chance. None. It's very sad for me. How does Otani get an MVP this year? He's like third in MVP balloting right now or fourth in the odds to win MVP. He's hitting 240, low APS, and he's a bottom of the rotation pitcher. Now, it's cool that he does both, but remember what I said last year, that if you're going to give him the MVP for just doing both because he did both over Vladimir Guerrero, then you better be ready to give him the MVP every year. Unless you're going to wait for him to be bad at both, maybe this is the year. But then why is he in your top five? Just makes no sense. Angels are in trouble. Now, not as big trouble as what we're going to talk about after the break. I watched an hour episode, and we're going to turn serious when we come back. Two things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about fentanyl, and we're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays, because both were in the news and are important to really do a dive into. So take a break, and then come back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson coming to you exhausted on a Monday morning. Still feeling high from seeing Bruce Springsteen and Coldplay last night. Before I went to the concert, just to make sure that I was going to be smart at all times, I watched an hour-long documentary on fentanyl. It's called Poisoned, America's Fentanyl Problem. It's an ABC News special. Sorry, CBS. It is what it is, right? It's an ABC News special, and you can find it streaming somewhere. I guess I had thought about the opioid problem, and we've talked about that on the show. And when I associate opioids, and we talked about dope sick, I associated it with Oxy, with Vicodin. I'm watching This Is Us right now. And so I didn't think that an addiction to fentanyl was a thing. What I thought was happening is that drug dealers are putting fentanyl in other drugs like Vicodin or Percocet or cocaine. People are buying these drugs. And if you just have a speck of fentanyl, it's not that you overdose, you're actually poisoned by it. So when we read about these people who died of a drug overdose, like a Tyler Skaggs, what I'm learning and learned is that Tyler Skaggs may not have overdosed the Anaheim Angels pitcher. pitcher. He may have been poisoned or Mac Miller or any of the other famous people that you have heard who have died. Like uh, there was the actor who just died and I can't remember his name. I want to say it was Richard Williams Coca, but I think I'm off. It was, but he's got a middle initial too. Something K Williams. I'm sorry. But all these people are taking this drug, Michael K. Williams. Thank you, Coca, correct. So drug dealers have a business. Their business is a margin business. But do they have an incentive to kill their customer? Now, the cigarette industry, they're fine because it's a long-term death, right? You can buy cigarettes for 50 years and then maybe you'll die, maybe you won't. And by the way, you can die of non-smoking lung cancer just as easy as dying of smoking lung cancer. So keep making cigarettes. People who make fried food, fast food, you may, may lead to obesity, diabetes. You may die at some point. You could have the big one. Your veins could be, arteries could be clogged, but it's probably not gonna happen while eating your second quarter pounder. So there is incentive to put enough salt in your fast food that makes you addicted and makes you coming back. You put nicotine that makes you addicted and makes you coming back. The thing about opioids is that they are also addictive and people keep coming back, but that only works if you can keep coming back and keep being a customer for months, months, years, 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 years at a time. Because that's where the money is, right? Repeat customers. 
But drug dealers said, we have an idea. Let's take out some of the cocaine, take out some of the ingredients when we're mixing up these pills, and let's just put some fentanyl in it because it's cheaper. No one will know the difference. Oh, Christ. People are dropping dead with one pill. This isn't good. All I keep thinking is, why would drug dealers want to put fentanyl in a drug that is an addictive drug if someone gets poisoned and dies after one use and then you've lost a customer? You've like killed your customer. Someone during the show said, one of the drug dealers, it's no problem because there's always more customers. And that floored me. The business model where it's okay for your customers to die because there's a waiting list of customers and they'll keep taking your product and giving you money, that may be something that we don't want out there in the world. I'm just spitballing. If there is a product where the result of the use of the product is the death of the user and the maker of the product does not care because there's so much demand for that product in spite of the fact that you can die in one use by poison. I have a small feeling that's not a product that we should permit. I have a small feeling that instead of putting drug dealers away for a year or five years or 10 years, if you are caught putting fentanyl inside a drug and someone dies, that should be life imprisonment. You think I'm tough on crime? When you do something that knowingly results in the death of someone, that will knowingly result in the death of someone, oh, I didn't know fentanyl was bad for you. None of these drug makers or drug dealers are surprised of what fentanyl does. They know it. We're the suckers. The drug takers are the suckers. The drug makers aren't the suckers. They're following the rules. Even the drug dealers who are doing it illegally, nothing's happened to them. Five years in the clink, 10 years in the clink. Meanwhile, they're leaving a trail of death. How about it, America? Here's my plan. My plan is do not take drugs from drug dealers. If you are addicted to something, find a doctor to be helpful. See if you can get a crooked doctor like in Dopesick because the doctors are gonna get you pills that are genuine. I'd like you to go to treatment. I'd like you to go to rehab. I'd like you not to do drugs. But if you're gonna do drugs, you gotta know the source. I think Walgreens sells a fentanyl uh, weight or a, what's the thing, Coco, when you can test your drugs to see if it's in it? I've heard some people, I've never seen fentanyl, never done cocaine in my life. But apparently there's a, never done oxy in my life, there's a, a, a test you do where you can test whether or not the, your drug dealer is trying to kill you. Maybe it's 20 bucks, it seems to be a worth it investment. Watch America's fentanyl problem with your kids, please, because the nightmare of that show is the number of parents who have buried their kids who were not drug addicts. They just were experimenting with drugs, and then they died. Then they were poisoned. If you're over bar mitzvah age, you are old enough to watch this show, America's Fentanyl Problem.
running a team can be difficult. Major League Baseball sends you a list in the beginning of the season. It goes to your marketing people. It goes to your general manager and your team president. It's a list of the holidays that Major League Baseball will be celebrating. So there's Jackie Robinson Day, there's Roberto Clemente Day, there's Father's Day, there's Mother's Day, there's Opening Day, there's Closing Day, and there's different rules. There's Memorial Day, where the camouflage. There's different rules for each holiday during the season. Different uniforms, different hats. You get from New Era, who is the cap maker, a piece of paper that shows what your hats are going to be for each of the specific days, where the ribbons are going to be, what it's going to look like. Baseball, like other leagues and other companies, are celebrating Pride Month this month. They're all changing their logos on Twitter and social media. It always makes me smile. I love it, right? You put a rainbow on your logo, and that means that you care about Pride and LGBTQ+, and you get to say that you're woke, and you get to say that you're involved. You get to say that you've got your finger on the pulse of society, and we embrace the diversity and the difference all because you change your social media logo and you send out a few tweets and you change uniforms, you have some different colors on the uniform, et cetera, et cetera. So what we had to do every spring training is we would have to go to the players and we would say, here's what's happening. We'll remind you again as it's coming, but there's going to be different hats for this particular day. And we'd know like Christian Yelich had a brother in the military uh, Tom Kohler had a father in the military. So there were a bunch of players who were interested in certain things we were doing, that baseball was doing, certain players that didn't care about things that we were doing. And we would sort of try to take attendance and the pulse of what was happening. But if we had a league-wide initiative, let's say Mother's Day, pink bats, pink gloves, pink batting gloves, the catchers wear pink equipment, all trying to raise, raise awareness for breast cancer. Players who had lost a mother or had a mother suffering from breast cancer or a wife or a family member, they would embrace Mother's Day breast cancer. They'd get pink everything. There were other players who would get the delivery because what happens is the bat makers, because every player has a different bat maker, and they get bats, the, the club gets bats sent to the player that the player wants with the name of the team and the name of the player, et cetera. And so there'd be a bunch of pink bats that would come in about two or three weeks before Mother's Day. The players would take the pink bats, they'd use them for BP, see if they like them. If they liked them, they would use them in the game on Mother's Day. If they didn't like them, they wouldn't use them in the game. Hats, they were much less concerned about because either you're a six and two eighths, you're six and a quarter, six and three eighths, six and five eighths, Barry Bonds, you're eight and seven eighths, whatever you are, you get your hat, it's got the logo, it's got the ribbon, you're done, you don't care too much. When it's your equipment, our view as a team was you don't need to use any equipment you don't want to need because we're want to use because we're trying to win games. We want to make sure that you are comfortable with your glove because some of these players have their game gloves that they've broken in a special way and you can't break in a pink glove fast enough or a blue glove or a purple glove, etc. 
if you know you want to use a glove at a certain time, some players start breaking it in, and there's a machine in every clubhouse that, remember when I was a kid, I used to break in my glove by tying string around it, putting a ball in it, and sleeping on it under my mattress, like waiting for the tooth fairy, and every morning I'd open it, and then you oil it, and then you close it again, put it back under the mattress. Every clubhouse now has a glove break-in machine. It's the craziest machine ever. It's like quick break-in of the glove. It's like a machine that pounds the glove a million times and folds it, and then the player takes it, and then they have a catch with it, and then they use it, then they oil it their own way, and then they use it again. Everyone's got a system. And as the president of a team, it was live and let live. Whatever system you have, whatever glove you want to use, pink, not pink, I don't care. But then there's the jersey issue. The jersey issue is when we get jerseys given to us by whether it's it was Majestic, then it was Nike, it was going to be Under Armour for a hot minute, but it's back to be Nike. Jerseys would come in and they would come from Nike. And then the clubhouse guys would put the names and the numbers on the jerseys and would hang the jerseys in their locker. So players don't know what they're wearing until they get to the ballpark. They don't know which exact jersey because there's so many alternates, and we don't really go over that with the players because that's not equipment. That's just how you look. We know their size. We know some guys need extensions or some guys like having openings in the arms, whatever the case is. We know that, but the jersey's the jersey, and when you come in at report time each game, you go to your locker and you put on your jersey. Tampa had pride jerseys and pride gear that they wanted to use as part of Pride Month for games this past weekend. Five pitchers went public saying, we will not wear the pride jerseys. We do not believe in that lifestyle. We are men of faith. These are five religious pitchers who believe that Jesus apparently doesn't like gay people. You can't be gay if you like Jesus. But these same players, and Jason Adam, one of the pitchers, was really the spokesman, said, I know this is a tough stand to take. And they're, what he didn't say parenthetically is, and likely there's someone gay in our clubhouse. So I want to be very clear that all people are welcome. We love you. We welcome you. But when we put it on our bodies, he said, that means that we're endorsing the lifestyle. We're not looking down on your lifestyle, he continued. We understand that you live differently. But we're not going to encourage something that Jesus said you shouldn't do. Jesus told us to abstain from that behavior, just like he told us to abstain from premarital sex. Certainly you abstain from same-sex sex. So we cannot be looked at as being tolerant of it as it relates to wearing it. But we're tolerant of it as it relates to talking about it. So here's my question. You just drew attention to the fact that you have a belief that is not inclusive. You have a belief in a religion that says that other people's choices are not their own to make and they're wrong. But then you say you respect it, appreciate it, understand it, welcome it. 
Don't you think if you had just put on the jersey and then taken the jersey off at the end of the game and not said a word that maybe that's what Jesus would want you to do? Because is your religion one or your God or your Savior, whoever Jesus may be, when you wear the thing that says WWJD, what would Jesus do? He wants you to draw attention to the fact that you believe that your way of life is better than someone else's way of life and that their choices are their choices, but they're wrong. As president of the team, I'd like to tell you that I wouldn't have allowed it. But I'd be lying. I was thinking all weekend about how I would have handled this, and I so badly wanted to say to you on today's show that I would have said to the players, I don't care what religion you are. This is the jersey we're wearing. You are wearing it. Hard stop. We are not drawing attention to ourselves like this. We are not going to have a divisive clubhouse where you are going to obviously alienate those who've got LGBTQ in their family or themselves. We're just not going to do it. We're trying to win a World Series here. That is what, in my mind... I would say. Do you know in the movies when it's what's real versus what you think is real? That's what I think would be real. And here's what's real. I'd go up to the player, the five of them. They would look at me and they'd say, listen, I'm not wearing it. I would talk to them about their tolerance. I would talk to them about the situation. And then I would talk to the other players. And then I would let them not wear it. Because as much as I was a hard ass on players, when it came to equipment or uniforms, not community appearances, I was still a hard ass about that. Not certain issues regarding, regarding being on time and other things that we needed from the players, not negotiating their contracts. But when it came to respecting other people's views, even when they were different than mine, I had a very hard time, just as I do on this show. I don't tell you what to think. I don't need you to agree with me. But I have a hard time telling you that you have to do it the way I do it. So I understand Kevin Cash's position. I understand why Kevin Cash said, we love everybody. It's not going to be divisive. There's been talk in the clubhouse, and we are keeping it in the clubhouse. We are keeping our eye on the ball, which is October baseball. I wonder if some of the older owners who are definitely not very LGBTQ interested, I wonder how quickly they would have supported those players and how quickly they would made it uncomfortable for players who would not have wanted to support those players. But as a younger person in baseball, I'd like to think that I would have done it differently, and I'm just not sure I would have. Good for you, Tampa, for coming out with your statements Good for you, Jason Adam, for coming out with your statement, even though I vehemently disagree with it. I don't understand it at all, but at least we're communicating. And I guess that's a start. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are 67 and 51. Do you remember what I said on Thursday? We had no show Friday, but I was very clear. The Warriors were going to win game one. But if the Celtics win game one, bet big on the Warriors game two. But I didn't have an official pick of the Warriors in Game 2. I only told you all to do it, so I hope you did. I had the Warriors in Game 1. They got crushed by the Celtics, 120-108. to And then the Warriors returned the favor last night. 
The NBA Finals are at 1-1, one and, one, and we are 67-51. and 51. I want to give you your pick for today. We're going to go baseball. Did you watch that Mets-Dodgers series? The Dodgers, I think, took two of three. The Mets avoided the sweep and won last night. Pete Alonso loves L.A. Giancarlo Stanton always loved playing in L.A. I think he, he saw it. Oh, the Mets split. It was a four-game series. I'm sorry. Thank you, Coca. So when we would play L.A., the next series was San Diego often, or it would go San Diego, L.A., L.A., San Diego. And we wouldn't fly. We'd actually take a bus, and we'd put a bunch of drinks on the bus, and it would be like a party bus from L.A. to San Diego. But there's a letdown that happens when you are a team like the Mets, and you're going from L.A. to San Diego because they were trying to take their pulse. The Mets being one of the hottest teams, the Dodgers being one of the best teams, if not the best team. They go into Chavez Ravine, they get the split, and now they've got to play the Padres. The Padres are coming off a good series against the Brewers. They've got Blake Snell going tonight, who stinks. And they've got Carlos Carrasco going for the Mets, who has been pitching really well. It seems like an obvious Mets over Padres. No. There is a letdown post-bus ride letdown that takes place. Mark my words. You want a game to bet tonight? Take the Padres over the Mets. All right, we didn't get to quite a few things, Coca. Imagine if we had a second hour. There's a lot more. Maybe we'll cover some of it tomorrow. Maybe there'll be something new. But we'll be back tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.